We are glad you're with us. And uh, in case you uh, did not hear during the break, we are going to hear from Brian Gudikins coming up in about an hour and 28 minutes from now. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if he speaks earlier, we'll let you know. But uh, Goody is going to talk uh, down at the owners meeting. And uh, they're talking about all kinds of different stuff. They're talking about the rule change for overtime. Uh, and for those that did not know, and and, and Billy just says, uh, what are they considering? They're considering that both teams have the ball. We saw this coming, you know, back when the the college ranks decided to change it and go into this sudden death type of thing. Um, there still will be a kickoff. It will still basically it'll look like this. If you get if you win the coin toss in if indeed this plays out. Now this is not confirmed yet. But if you win the coin toss and you get the ball and you drive down the field and score, okay, then the other team is also going to have a chance to drive down the field and score. They also will then get the ensuing kickoff, and if they can score, then you continue on, okay? My assumption would be then after that, if the if the other team scores as well, then it's the next team to score. I, I just I can't see it going any other way. You can't you can't continue playing you know full quarters like this. I just don't see it. Anyway, long story short, that's that's the way it'll go. I assume. Now, what has been thrown into the mix? The Tennessee Titans have said, look, if you go down and score, if you go for two and you make it, that ends the game. If you miss it. The other team can then take the ball down and score, and if they kick the PAT, game over. So you're kind of taking a chance on either sealing the deal and ending the game or putting the game back in the hands of your defense, one of the two. Um, and if you get the ensuing kickoff after the overtime and you do not score and the other team gets the ball back and then scores, then that team wins. I know it's somewhat convoluted, but – we have become a participation trophy society, so therefore everybody has to touch the ball just because. You can't win it on defense. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of this, uh, but I, I do agree that and one of the, it wasn't attributed to a specific general manager, but a general manager had said in one of the articles written about this that we pay quarterbacks 30 to $40 million. Everybody wants to see the quarterback play. So, therefore, we're paying the quarterbacks this amount of money. We should at least showcase them, specifically in overtime. So that's the reason they're considering this this rule change, to give each team the ball in overtime. Okay? Not a fan of it, but that's what they're considering. That's what the NFL's got going on. So Gutekinds is expected to uh, speak in about an hour and 25 minutes from right now. And he's going to talk, I'm sure, about the trade of Devontae Adams, the signing of Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, other things such as Devontae Campbell, uh, Jerron Reed, uh, the big man up front, uh, recently just signing uh, the, uh, the the secondary uh, guy over the weekend who they just picked up, um, which is uh, um, Keyshawn Nixon. So they've got all of that going on. I'm sure he's going to address all of that. And what else they're going to do about that wide receiver room? how desperate they are for wide receivers, what maybe what they might have up their sleeve. We don't know, and he's not going to come out and give us all the details, but what they're going to continue to do or what their due diligence is going to be. So we're going to hear all of that coming up here in about an hour, 25 minutes from now. So stay tuned for that. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to email the program, you can. 
It's simple. Uh, all you got to do is touch us uh, over at uh, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Find us over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can also hit us up on the Facebook fan page. Go to facebook.com slash thebillmichaelsshow. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Subscribe for free. And I really do. I highly recommend if you did not see the broadcast, the live stream broadcast, it wasn't over the air. It was just on live stream on Friday afternoon from 5 to 7 with uh, Kristen and Chris as they did kind of the the behind-the-scenes stuff while we were doing the celebrity bartending at the event at, uh, at Albanese's Roadhouse. Go watch it. It was really, I'm telling you, as it was entertaining. There were so many different things they talked about, uh, appearances by Mike Clemens, uh, our buddy Joe DeGuano, who does our network sales and also appears with Dave Carney uh, on WKTY and Lacrosse. Uh, they were there, the people from Special Spaces, which was the benefactor of the charity that the money went to. So a really good podcast and broadcast over there on the live stream if you want to check that out. So uh, go there and see it. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash, the, or slash Bill Michael Show, and you can find it there. Uh, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Uh, Pat says, I like the Brewers' chances. I still think the Dodgers are going to be the team that's going to stand in the way. Um, yeah, we kind of picked the Dodgers. Um, if I, now, now Ben, I'm going to go back to, uh, our discussion regarding, uh, the New York Mets. If the Mets with Jacob deGrom and Scherzer and company, do they have enough? I know they got like Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, uh, Pete Alonzo, um, Robinson Cano, Probably he's going to be their DH, Eduardo Escobar. They, they've got some names. They've got some people that can produce. It's not like they're bereft of talent. Can the Mets stay healthy enough? Do the Mets come out of the East this year? This is going to sound like a joke, but I swear it isn't. I, as soon as September comes, they're going to collapse. It's okay. one of those things where they always have arguably the best team or the most talent. But then aside from that year, they made the World Series and lost because Murphy went crazy. Every single year, they've had a lead pretty much in September, and they've either gotten hurt, they've blown it, they've done something stupid, and they hired Buck Showalter to be their manager. I can't right. see how that's going to magically work. Buck Showalter, but then again, Buck Showalter did a lot with very little talent in Baltimore for a long time and seemed to be able to kind of you know push the right buttons. Now, Again, when when you talk about how old is Buck Showalter, he's got to be late 60s, early 70s now. I mean, he was the manager of the Yankees back when Seinfeld was on. So he and he was probably in his 50s then. 65. 65. Okay. So I, you talk about a relatability. I don't know. Now, he's got a veteran group, but I, I I've always said I don't think age has a ton to do with it. I think it's respectability. I think it's pushing the right buttons and putting guys in the right place to be successful. Buck Showalter has that ability. I just don't know if he has the ability to take them over the top. But Buck was across the street with the Yankees for a long time. As they started to finally pull things together, it wasn't until Joe Torre got there and really took them to the next level. Uh, that they then, and then again, they had some really good talent too. But Joe Torre became that, that end-all, be-all manager. For the Yankees, but Showalter was not bad. He pushed a lot of the right buttons. He just never got him over the top. Yeah, it's not age to me because there are great managers that are older. It's the old guard and the old thought behind baseball and managing. 
Because I kind of I look around the MLB now, and Craig Council in obviously Milwaukee and Gabe Kapler in San Francisco, or they brought the new ideas that John Madden kind of started, or Joe Madden, and I the guys that are older from the previous line of baseball thinking. I, I kind of think they get outplayed by the younger guys in the new way mm-hmm. that everyone manages the game. Yeah, I uh, I think Showalter's a – how do I put this? I think he gets them into the discussion. I just don't think he gets them over the top, if that's the best way to put it. I still think uh, – what is it, Atlanta is still the favorite to win the division? I think so in Vegas, but I Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Mets, I think, are all neck and neck. Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, I, I think they've got a really good top three. Kenley Jensen, solid in the back end. 25 saves last year, or projected to get 25 saves this year, I should say. If I if I read Guy's solid. The guy's solid. I think Atlanta's probably the team to beat. And after that, where do you, where do you find Philadelphia in all of that? So, Where would you, if you're gonna, would you got Philly and, and and the Mets battling for second, the same way that the Mets have shown a uh, a way to collapse every September. Phillies haven't made the playoffs in 12 seasons. So if we've learned any, like their offense might be the best in baseball, and they'll hit the hell out of the ball. They're healthy in the starting rotation on the front end. They'll definitely be good, but the bullpen is still a huge question mark, which always loses them games. The defense is going to be horrible, and I don't trust Joe Girardi. So. I, I kind of see them the same way as the Mets. Oh, I know you hate Joe Girardi. I, there's no doubt about that. They just have, Both of those teams have to prove to me that they are over finally beating the Braves because all they do in September is fall down and let the Braves take the division. So take the Marlins and the Nationals completely out of this. Um, is there enough by the addition of Scherzer, just Scherzer and being able to kind of slow things down? Because they were even, when you look at run differential last year, the Phillies... And the Mets, even though the Phillies ended up with, what, 82 wins and uh, the Mets were 77, the Phillies were a negative 11 run differential, and the Mets are negative 32. Now, the addition of Scherzer, they're hoping kind of cures all of that and really is able to kind of, you know, stem the tide when it comes to giving up so many runs. The Braves, with 88 wins, 88 wins were plus 134 in run differential. And they did it mostly without Mike Soroka, arguably, right. arguably their best starter, who was out all year. Now, in comparison, you look at the Dodgers, who were plus 269, the Giants, who were plus 210, the, the, the Brewers were plus 115, and the Brewers won the division with 95, game, or with 95 wins, while the Giants were 107, the, the Dodgers were 106, but the Brewers were plus 115, which is really solid, but plus 269. 269, the best in baseball were the Dodgers, and they were second in their own division. Just unheard of. I mean, like the Astros were plus 205. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays were plus 206. So although I am going to be enjoying the American League East this year, I'm looking forward to watching to uh, see if Tampa Bay can repeat with Boston and New York what they did. And, and, you know, following the out east stuff. And then obviously here in our own backyard, you're going to have the White Sox. They're hoping to win the division again. They were plus 160 last year in run differential. Plus 160 and nobody else really coming out of that east. Cleveland uh, barely scrapped and clawed just to get to 80 wins. And everybody else kind of sucks, including the Twins. And then Houston was a, a runaway favorite. Everybody else was eliminated. So anyway, um, I'm I'm... 
I don't know how much of a shakeup there's going to be, but the East in both, the East in the National League and the East in the American League, both I think are due for a shakeup. Whether it's going to be the Phillies or the Mets to win the division, I think one of those two, even though Atlanta's picked to win the division, I think one of those two win the division. And over in uh, the American League, I get this sneaking suspicion that Boston is going to be is going to win the division this year. Just just gut feeling. We'll get into the picks just before the uh, start of the season, but just a sneaking suspicion there. 877-867-1670. 877-1670. Uh, Darren says uh, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta are solid. Lafleur, or I should say Lauer, really came on at the end of last year. And Hauser's a solid back of the uh, rotation guy. Great rotation. Uh, don't the Brewers have as good of rotation as anybody? Yeah, we were just talking about that. We were just talking about that. Uh, Greg says, meaningless run differential stat rewards blowouts versus wins by one run. Um, but it's not meaningless because when you look at the teams in the positive, Greg, those teams are usually in the postseason. So, it, yes, I agree with you. The run differential overall but it also is indication of how much, uh, when you talk about blowouts, how much offensive firepower they have. You can get a lot of one-run games, but if you're blowing people out, you can also then look at how much offensive firepower the team has, not just their pitching. It's not meaningless. It's there for a reason. But it, if you look, there is not one team in baseball that's winning their division with a negative run differential. The Braves won the division plus 134. Philadelphia got to 82 wins. They were negative 11. First time in a decade. First time in a decade. Brewers, Cardinals, Reds. Reds were in it. They were 12 games back. They were still fighting for the wild card until the end. And then it was 83 wins. They were plus 26. Cardinals plus 34. Everybody else pretty much eliminated. They were in the negative. The top three teams over in the West. The top two runaway division leaders by far. Plus 200. Big time offense. Good pitching. They won a lot of games in blowout fashion. Padres were plus 21 with 79 wins. They had a couple of big blowouts. You're right. But but they were eliminated. So was Colorado. So was Arizona. It's it's meaningless in the, in the totality of it. But also, if you're in a positive state, you're looking at the teams that went to the postseason last year. Tampa, Ray, Tampa Bay plus, Boston plus, New York plus. Look at all of them. They're all in the green. They're all positives. Toronto was the surprising one. Toronto won 91 games, yet they were eliminated. They were at plus 183. Toronto could be fighting for a spot this year, big time. Baltimore, 52 wins, just awful. They would have been they would have been better running out some of the minor league prospects than what they did last year. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back. Welcome one, welcome all. Reminder. Coming up later in the hour, we're going to hear from uh, the Packers general manager, Brian Gutekinds. He's going to be joining us. And, or not joining us, but he's, uh, we're going to hear his um, take on what's, he, it's the first time he's going to the podium since, uh, you know, everything's gone down with the signing of Aaron Rodgers, the uh, trade for Devontae Adams, uh, the signing of numerous other players. Uh, so we're going to hear, he's down at the owners' meetings. So we're going to hear from him uh, coming up in a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, in the meantime, 
Uh, I want to remind you that our opening day broadcast, now a week from Thursday is opening day. The home opening day broadcast is going to be two weeks from Thursday. And we're going to be live at Stenny, second and national. Walker's Point, come on down. We are brought to you by Bud Light and Budweiser. Budweiser, the official beer sponsor of Major League Baseball. We're going to be there early. Uh, Come on down and say hello. The broadcast itself begins at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. They're going to open things up. uh, Wings, Bloody Marys, Bill Michaels garlic cheese bread. We're going to have it all. And then uh, later that afternoon, we're going to put you on the buses. Going to send you over the shuttles that run continuously uh, over to American Family Field. And then you can witness the game, come back, enjoy yourself. But uh, we're going to be on the air for the entire show. Coming up on that Thursday, April 14th, we're going to be live from Stenny, second and National Walker's Point. Make it a point to be there. Going to have a really good time. Going to have a really good time. Uh, Brett, hopefully you're going to have more cigar outings and golf outings this year. I, you know what? I have not heard a word, uh, which is not odd because we're still early in the season, but I have not heard a word from uh, our friends at Quick Trip and Tobacco Outlet Plus yet. So I'll let you know. If we're doing them, yes, I'll let you know. I know they're rebranding. Uh, that I do know. So I don't know what the marketing plans are for that. But as soon as I find something out, we will be sure to let you know. Because I love doing those things. Even if we got to do one ourselves, maybe we do one ourselves. You know? We just uh, take some of their supply and we do it ourselves. Maybe maybe something like that happens. But I'm looking forward to it. So come on down to Stenny, second National Walker's Point. We're going to have a really, really good time uh, for the Brewers Home Opener coming up on April 14th. Um. So, Ben, now you were at. You know, you're telling me you were actually at the NFL draft back in 2017 in Philadelphia, correct? Yes. So, now have you been to a game at Lambeau? I have. Okay, so you've been to you've been to Green Bay, so you know what it takes being a a guy that was there in Philly to put on the NFL draft. So, if you were going to do it in Green Bay, where would you do it? I don't have a great answer for that. I also I went to a game in Lambeau. I didn't go around Green Bay and see that much. We parked in the backyard of a Red Lobster, tailgated, and then went to the yeah. game and then drove home. So I didn't really see all of it. So I don't think I, I would have a great idea anyway. But I can say the production of the draft in Philly was like the biggest thing I've ever seen. I think they yeah. had 250,000 total people in the three-day or four-day period. Because uh, uh-huh. they did it outside the steps where the Rocky goes up and he you know right. does the thing. They did it on those steps and on this big parkway, which all it is is space and some roads, which they close often for like music festivals and stuff. So right. it was it was massive. The only thing I could see them doing is, OK, say you want to do it um, on, say, the steps or something like that leading up to Lambeau Field. You put the celebrities you or not celebrities, the coaches or you whatever you're going to do and the green room. Up in the up in the uh, up in Lambeau Field in the atrium or something, I guess. But then you do the massive production in the in the parking lot. Okay, let's say. I still think the infrastructure. I don't think it's big enough to host the draft. Maybe just the basics of space around Lambeau Field would be. But I don't think it's big enough to actually host the draft. Um, that's just my opinion. I think you need a much, much bigger building 
Um, you know, people say, what about the rest center? Was it, put it this way, Ben, was it, how many people, you said, how many people were there actually, now when you say you were at the draft, were you actually there as guys were being chosen, you were sitting there in front of watching them walk across the stage? I was not sitting in the structure, but I can send you a picture. I was of the large mass of humanity in okay. uh, standing. I mean, we were pretty far away because of how many people were there. Because the Rush Center is not a 20,000-seat arena. So it's 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 a smaller arena. It's much smaller than the Pfizer Forum, and I don't think the Pfizer Forum um, – I, I think the Pfizer Forum would be big enough because they did it at, at Radio City Music Hall for years. So I think the Pfizer Forum would be big enough. I don't know if the Rush Center would be big enough. Now that they've taken this thing outside, and don't forget, they're going to be doing it this year uh, in in the Bellagio, uh, out in front of the Bellagio Hotel. And yeah, wow, when they did it at Grant Park down at uh, down in Chicago, that was a massive humanity. And yeah, I just saw your picture. That that's yeah. I don't know where they would do that unless they did it in the parking lot at Lambeau. Yeah, they've kind of, as soon as they got out of the music hall and realized that it could be something they do a whole production for, I don't really see them going back to an right. only indoor thing. But, I mean, Green Bay is space. It's just a question of whether they, the NFL would come and build whatever structures are needed. Right. Uh, and Chris says, and it's in the spring, so why not the rest center as the staging area um, and the field itself as the stage? Um, here's the reason why, Chris. Because we've had snow as late as, you know, going past Mother's Day into May. So you're not out of the woods of, you know, frigid weather. I just don't think they want that. I mean, I could be wrong. They could certainly build something and, you know, uh, you know make it feasible. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be 20 below. But I don't know if they want to do it in that particular weather. Although, when they did it in Chicago, man, they lucked out because it was nice. Those two or three days they did it down in Chicago. I know for the first day, I think it was raining. It was raining like crazy. And then after that, they had some pretty good... Or or it started out nice and then rained like crazy. Because they did it in Nashville. And they pissed off everybody in Nashville that was going down there for party weekends. Because people just didn't realize it was the same weekend. So they shut down... Um, whatever that, uh, what, it wasn't uh, Broadway. the name of the street, Broadway, they shut yeah. down Broadway. And I remember all the, the bachelorette parties sitting outside crying because they couldn't get in. But, uh, but yeah, oh, they I, had all their, they have these little trucks that go around with big areas in the back where all those bachelorette parties just drink in the back of mm-hmm. cars. And the videos were hilarious. They were like, yeah, we, we right. had all of our things canceled because of, I guess they have a, the NFL is yeah. like, they got an NFL thing going on. I don't know. I uh, can't so figure good. it out. Yeah. Uh, look, it's not to say they couldn't do it. Because, I look, if they wanted to shut down, if you wanted to actually build a stage, whether it was uh, up with the backdrop of Lambeau Field behind it and use the parking lot or with the rest center area and then have Lambeau Field at the opposite end, you could do it. You, you could do it. I mean, the rest center only, yeah, ESPN Steve says inside the rest center only holds 10,500. Um, but now that they want to put on these massive productions, they want it outside with, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people standing around. Um, you would have to build, I don't know how you would do it, but you could, you, look, Green Bay would say, the, the city of Green Bay would say, yeah, we'll shut streets down for you. No problem. They'll, they'll shut it down. 
if you're going to bring the NFL in there with the NFL draft, absolutely. So I don't think it would be that difficult to put something together for the draft. I just think that, you know, they, they require so much with hotel space and areas to be able to set it up. I think the Packers would do a fantastic job. I really do. That's why I'm a little bit surprised the Packers didn't get it this time. But it's going to give them a, a chance to the, – the nice thing about going through the process, for anybody that's ever done this, and not necessarily for a uh, you know an, all, an NFL draft, what I'm talking about is anything you've ever had a chance to do, any business will tell you, if you put a proposal together and you don't get the gig, you the first thing you do is you go back and say, look, I appreciate the fact that you made your decision. I'm not going to ask you to change it. Can you just tell us – where we either didn't excel or what we need to do better. What we, you know, because they'll say, okay, well, Detroit had this, 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 and this. Okay. And if you can fix that and add that for your next proposal, then that's what you do. That's the way you go about it. So my assumption is that, you know, you, you know, if, if it's say it's hotel space, okay, well, and another year, maybe another two or three hotels are built, and we go from, you know, 1,000 rooms to 2,000 rooms or 1,000 rooms to 1,500 or whatever the threshold is. I'm just throwing numbers out there. I have no idea. Or maybe they had a better provision for, say, bad weather, and your provision just wasn't enough. Okay, well, maybe you go in that direction. Maybe you say, okay, we need to do something else. What else can we do? Short of a big 10 up, you know? So it, there, there's a lot to it. And, but one of the things you can take a look at is what, where you fell short and why, and then go about fixing that for the next time it comes around. So, you know, all is not lost and all is not hopeless. It's just, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, it's a little bit disappointing, to say the very least. Uh, 877-867-1670, If you want to hit us up, feel free. Give us a shout. Um, so Pro Football Focus just came out with their latest updated mock draft for needs as free agency continues. They have the Green Bay. Now, I don't know if they've taken this into consideration since this just came out, but they have the Packers, which if this happened... I would assume there would almost be a a revolt. But they have the Packers taking cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington. They compare him to Jair Alexander. He draws a lot of similarities to the current Packers corner, Jair Alexander. Considering you just signed the backup, plus Rasul Douglas, and you have Stokes, who had a solid year, plus Jair, I think you'd be a bit crazy. They have the Patriots taking with one step above at 21, because the Packers are picking at 22. At 21, New England taking Ohio State wide out Chris Olave. So I got to think the Packers, if Olave is there at 21, (laughs) I got to think the Packers would be calling the Steelers saying, hey, we know you're probably going to take a, a quarterback. You're probably going to grab the kid out of uh, North Carolina. Um, can we jump up and grab Olave, take him away from New England? 
I, you got to think that's what they're going to do. And it would also take a chip away from the New England Patriots, who are also in the AFC. So you got to think what they're going to do, if that's the case. 877-867-1670. But they don't have, uh, which I found rather interesting, they don't have Drake London being taken until the Jets take him at number 10. So I, 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 I thought for sure there was a lot of talk about the Falcons grabbing him. Um, possibly the Giants grabbing him. I, I thought he would go higher than that. I'm probably going to be wrong, but it is what it is. Uh, by the way, Ian Rappaport, uh, when we were talking about this a little bit earlier, about the overtime change, or at least the uh, proposal for an overtime change, we're going to hear from him. And what he had to say is the uh, owners continue to discuss changing the rule in overtime. I'll tell you what that's all about when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.